should listen to because this whole scene may have played itself out before on this earth. And if you understand the theory, which I believe has been accepted as fact now, continental drift, there may have been an Atlantis and a Lemuria, which had tremendously developed technologies and societies. And the same scenario that we're playing out now in this great stage called the world may have played itself out over and over again in the past for millennium. In my investigation of, of the mystery schools, the secret societies that are bringing all this about, that really control everything behind the scenes, um, I found that this is all about religion. It's all about a recurring theme that is penetrated and is at the heart of every religion in the world. And that is a creator or a creatress who has a son that is sacrificed and then is resurrected and saves the world or saves humanity. It seems to be an archetype that it, it is that is within us. Right? Yeah. What is it? Come on, Jimmy. Seriously. The time is up. People are hip to this kind of stuff. I, I'm here tonight to blow the lid off it, to be the whistleblower. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. It is the secret symbol of the Luminati, and you're a part of it, and it is the all-mocking tongue. symbol of the all-mocking tongue. And I'm sick of it. I want everybody to be in on the joke, man. You know what I mean? For years now, talk show hosts, people on television, people in sitcoms have been hired by the government. Been hired by the government. To throw you off the track, to distract you, to make you laugh and stuff like that. Make you happy and docile. Make you happy and docile. So you don't know what's really going on. You know, and they get out there in the woods in a circle naked and they decide these things and, you know, and yeah, look at them, look at them trying to, <laughs> it's hilarious, hilarious. And, you know, and I'm sick of, oh, hold on a second. You know what they're trying to do? Ooh, this thing is buzzing, hold on. They're trying to turn us into, you know, uh, you know, consumer drones of some sort. I just gotta get this. Yeah, listen, I'm in the middle of blowing a little. on the joke. Test, test, test. Test. That little feedback. Who is that? Is that you, Mark? Why you always got to blame me, dude? <laughs> it started when you fucking joined up. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're probably right. That's uh, good now. Test, test, test. Yeah, it's good now. What the? What the fuck? What the fuck? Dude. Good mark or what? Yeah, I'm ready, dude. I don't know. Are you waiting for me? I thought. Yeah, you said hold up. So I held up. All right. Oh, all right. Hold on one second. Jesus. <laughs> I'm ready to go. All right. Do a quick little intro. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Illuminati Confirmed. I'm one of your hosts of this. I don't know what the fuck this is, to be quite 100% honest with you. But I'm Juan from the Juan Juan Podcast. We have Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. We have Chris from Mensa Podcast. And today we have our very first guest on Illuminati Confirmed. Hopefully this guy doesn't fucking let me down because I've been hyping him up. 
I have no fucking clue what we're going to be talking oh, about no. today. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Anderson. What's up, bro? Wow. No pressure at all. Thanks, man. How's it going? This is, is going to be a lax conversation about whatever, dude. You know, we're going to gonna have fun. I just had you on like a few weeks ago, right? We did Rene Descartes. Yeah, we, we did the granddaddy of, philo- of uh, modern day philosophy. Yeah. And so can you talk to the guys a little bit about what you do? Because I'm always like, he's a stoic. And then Mark today was like, the dude's from Sweden. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, what, what do you? Can you Hello, talk everyone. about your I'm books? To- Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> That's my warm welcome. Yeah, I thought I I, I confused uh, Emanuel Swedenborg for being a Stoic. I don't think he's involved with uh, even Sweden. As a matter of fact, I think that's just his last name. But Anderson, it's a pleasure to be here talking to you, brother. Like Juan said, he's talked you up a lot, and I definitely don't say that to add any pressure because he's right. We're going to be chill as fuck here tonight. What's up, Chris? I got a question for you, Anderson, before we go any further, brother. Isn't that the name of a a wrestler, too? (laughs) So Anderson Silva, is uh, you know, he conquered the physical world. Anderson Silva is trying to conquer the mental and spiritual world. When, when did this start for you, Anderson, for the listeners of my audience and Chris's audience who haven't heard your multiple appearances on Juan's podcast? What, uh, what, you know, sparked this path? Uh, I, it's, I wish I had a really cool story to share with you guys. Like I wish I had this, I was hiking a mountaintop one day and this, you know, mountain go jumped across and I had this vision. I, um, I had a very boring coming up and I was the capitalist white dream, if you will. Went to school, got my CPA after school, went in, you know, started working, got the six digit salary, bought the house, got married, kids, the whole shebang. And this is about 10 years ago. I'm sitting around going, all right, cool. I got everything society told me that I should get to be happy. Why do I still feel so empty inside? Why am I still chasing the next vacation, the next whatever, right? And that's where that's where Anderson Silver starts. I, I started looking into answers of what the hell is this? Why am I here? You know, at a certain point, I think we all start asking these questions, very basic questions. We start looking past the day to day nuances and nonsense and start looking up and going, why? Why does life exist? And I looked at the usual suspects, religion, science, theology, all that stuff. And philosophy is where I started finding some of my answers. Fast forward a little bit. Um, I was shopping late night after downing a bunch of, I wasn't drinking myself silly. I was drinking expensive scotch, so I was classy. And I was shopping uh, on Amazon in, in preparation for a trip down south. And the algorithm on Amazon suggested this book called uh, Letters from a Moral Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. And boy, I started reading this on the beach in Cuba. And I'm like, this guy from 3,000 years ago, he's, he sounds just like me. Like, this, this is my problems, dude. And, well, that's where Storicism started. Here I am today. Um, <laughs> is there a conspiracy there somewhere? Wait, is Anderson your real name or is this like no, a pen bro. name? It's a pen name. No, bro. it's my pen name, yeah. Oh, it doesn't shit. even fucking exist, dog. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, I, I see you. All right, so where's that? Illuminati confirmed. Is that like a name generator online, like a Wu Tang name generator, something like that? 
there's a bit of a story behind it. I came up with it with my wife sitting around one day, but basically I had this stupid, crazy idea to write a book. You know, I was listening to these um, nonsense self-help books that you hear, you know, the, the Tony Robbins type of stuff. And I'm like, I could write something. And I started writing. And it was, and I kept that draft. That's not the book I published. It's, it's who knows, maybe one day I'll share it. Whoa. It was really, it was really dark. And I'm like, you know what? This doesn't sound too good. This, this is my old me that was writing this on how to like grab life by the horns and make it your bitch, if you will. And um, so there I created Anderson Silver. It was kind of representative of this, of, of, the, um, of my uh, 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 authorship, if you will. So fast forward, when I did start writing an actual book, Hold on. How, how did we come up with the name, bro? <laughs> I'm concerned. Well, the first time, I, the need first time I had him on, I was like, so who is Anderson Silver? He's like, well, that's not you. That's my alter ego. And I was like, wait, that's not even your fucking real name, bro? He's like, nah, bro. I'm like. Anderson, before we go any further, because your stoicism is pulling this out of me. I got to be a hard motherfucker. I know about these stoics, bro. They hard. So we're going to be hard on you, bro. Where'd this name come from, dog? You rolled the dice? Where did it come from? I'm getting ready. Let's go. Come on, let's no, go. It's, honestly, I wanted a, it's, again, I wish I had a cool story. I wanted an easy name to remember. Okay. Uh, no funky names and something that sounds kind of European, Northlandic. And that's about it. Anderson Silver kind of rolled off the tongue, kind of like, uh, what's his name? The guy on CNN, Anderson, what's his face? Cooper. Cooper. Uh, that's the one, yeah. Motherfucking CIA, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was it. It was just an easy name. Wow. Damn, you could be Illuminati confirmed, bro. We, we watching you, dog. We got an eyeball on you, kid. Mark, is that even your real name, bro? My name? Illuminati confirmed. Is that your fucking real name, dog? Hey, 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 Mark? hey, hey. Listen, don't attack me just because you brought this guy over here and now Chris is attacking him, okay? <laughs> I didn't even mean to hit that sound effect. That was an accident. Anderson, I am so glad you are here. I am not yes. suspicious at all about your name. Um, I'd be more suspicious if your name was Anderson Gold, but you're Anderson Silver. That's pretty cool. There in my goes book. right there. See that? See that? That would be so much cooler. I understand. If you had that on all the fucking time. Yeah. Wow. Just talk with that, that shit, should bro. be your alias, Anderson Silverface. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, bro. I just picked that up. I thought it would be appropriate to bring it on here in case some serious conspiracies came out. Right? <laughs> I'm not trying to run you through the muck, bro. I just, you know, sometimes when rappers got these really cool names or people got these pen names, like. I want to know where they came from. Did they come from a name generator? Did you just think it was cool? Did you name yourself after somebody? Like, I'm young banana. You know what I'm saying? But that's from a that's from a name generator. You know what I mean? Wow. Very cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a minimalist, simple guy, dog. I wish I had something cool to tell you guys. But I think that's why Juan likes me. I'm just honest, simple, and, and me. Well, the reason I like Anderson is because he brings out different conversation in me every time that didn't you just fucking hear what he was saying? He was contemplating the reality of, of, of your existence. He he had everything. And, you know, I was just watching this show and I'm feeling some type of way because the, the one of the main characters in the show died. Right. And I'm like, they're doing this funeral. And I'm like, isn't it the weirdest shit that we do these funerals and it's just a vessel that's there and we're watching this empty vessel. Right. Because that's all we ever know people to be when you're when you're you like what makes you you. Right. What what makes Chris Chris. Right. On, what, 
Juan, they talk about this in K-Pax, bro. This is why I'm trying to put you on. I'm not going to support a pedophile, bro. That dude's a fucking pedophile. Yeah, he's he's a little spacey, that's for sure. He's talking about Kevin Spacey, I understand. You know, you can't, (laughs) you're trying to, you're trying to put somebody else on, you know, on the same wavelength as Nicolas Cage, and it's not going to happen. I've already tried looking, Chris. I've already tried looking to see who else we could break down, but (laughs) Nicolas Cage will forever be the goat. There's, right. there's just nobody else. All right, you're right. Sorry, Anderson Silver, get back into this shit, brother. <laughs> I'm team. I'm team Nicholas, man. Ask one. I'm his biggest fan. Has anybody on here actually watches old school stuff like Snake Eyes, like well, that, uh, uh, Nine Millimeter? I don't know. I don't know if Juan uh, fully prepared you for this interview, and I apologize because this is becoming a sort of <laughs> we're putting you in the hot seat, Anderson. So if I could lean into that hot seat energy. What is your favorite Nicolas Cage movie and why? Thank you. Great question. Um, I'm, I can't name one, but I can narrow it down. For sure, it's pre-National Treasure. Not that they weren't great movies, but, you know, he kind of takes a turn after that. I'm going to have to lean towards, can I name three? Um, Gone in 60 Seconds, because Eleanor, my own Mustang is named Eleanor, um, and Angelina Jolie. Um, She's fucking hot. Face off, one of my favorites. Face off, that scene right there—that's the quintessential <laughs> Nick Cage scene, right? <laughs> and uh, as much as people hate on it, you know, fuck the haters. Ghost Rider, man. Oh, yeah. Ghost I was sure you were going on Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Connor was good, and you know, The Rock is right up there too. But if I have to narrow it down no, just because what? of thematics, yeah. Not Dwayne Johnson, right? No, no, The Rock with um, uh, James Bond there. What's his name? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Ian Fleming? Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah. I they just aged from Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm 27, if you couldn't tell. So, I'm yeah. 27 too, Mark. I, I like those choices. I like those choices. And I didn't know that one, by the way, so that's cool to know. And, um... I would say my favorite classic, and I don't know how old this is, but it feels like an old movie, Blue Velvet. It's one of David Lynch's best movies, Mm -hmm. and Nicolas Cage kind of has a very famous scene in that movie where he's screaming, he's like in a sailor's outfit or something, and that movie always made an impression on me. I don't quite know what they're alluding to with that film, but it it does deserve a rewatch. Well, oh, vampires guess, kiss. He's he gets turned on when he's fucking fighting the the little bat. Because like I got aroused when I was fighting the bat, you know. And then the fucking the the accent that he has during the whole movie is like, what are you on, bro? You know that's that's why that's what I love about him because again he's just so dynamic and so fluid, right? Like like water, you know. Isn't that what Bruce Lee said? <laughs> you know what I mean? You, uh, ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? So I think that's I think that's what. He he is everything that we want to be, right? And and that's how he plays it out in all these movies. It's all just these different movies are like different timelines, right? That's what it, essentially what it is. Like they're just showing you a window into a different timeline. And could you imagine just doing that for a living, being whoever you want to be? Like they pitch him a movie and go, "Hey, bro, you want to be a fucking alpaca?" Oh, dude, that sounds like a fucking great idea. Yeah, let's do an alpaca. You know what I mean? Like uh, the guinea pig movie that he was in, the the, the whatever. <laughs> You know what John's talking about? He was in the, the 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 guinea pig movie that they're trying to save the world from the billion the evil billionaire. Come on, bro. Nah, what? Yeah. 
Right. Nicholas Cage has been in a bunch of shit, bro. That's what we need to screen you, share this. <laughs> Anderson, do you think he's got uh you know uh, like stoic tendencies, would you say? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but don't we all, you know, anytime I talk about stoicism, everybody I speak to goes, Hey man, I, I've been a stoic my, my whole life a little bit. And I go, yeah, everybody has because stoicism speaks to like the simplicity and the animal nature within you, not to uh, shun it or to uh, try and suppress it, but to embrace it and to work with it. So what are we doing? Give me like, give us like, the uh, stoicism for dummies, like top three, five points. Um, easy. Stoicism, I can narrow it down to one sentence. It's applying your rational mind in the present moment. Okay. Unfortunately, stoicism has gotten a lot of uh, bad publicity recently. It's <laughs> yeah. been attached to, uh, uh, you know, toxic masculinity and all that, like tough, 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 tough. Really? Um, nothing could be further from the truth. And that's kind of what I'm doing when I talk to people about, say, we end up like enduring whatever but not because we're tough, tough, tough. Like we'll cry doing it and we'll, you know, we'll scream, we'll we'll shit ourselves, whatever. You do what you need to do, but we'll just endure it and move on and take another step. That's what stoicism is. But it's a Western concept, but it's not really a Western concept. I mean, it's a human concept, but it's so promoted through the, the, the columns. So my books... What I write about, and at the beginning I say this, I'm not a Stoic, I'm a practitioner, and my philosophy is based on many different uh, theologies and philosophies I've studied, including East, uh, Eastern and Western, modern and ancient. Um, you know, uh, we were talking about Rene Descartes the other day with Juan uh, Frederick Nietzsche, another favorite of mine, you know. Um, but I go also back to the ancients, Plato and, and Socrates, of course, and, and the Stoics. And the reason um, I've decided on this very simple core philosophy is because when I looked at all of these and I mapped them out in the Venn diagram, they all had the center point where they all agree, including religion, including all the religions, Christianity and Islam and what have you. And those are the points that I focus on. And those are the points that Stoicism tends to focus on, which is why I've kind of uh, taken that school behind me to, to help champion me for it. Those are the tenets, right? What are they called? The the Stoic, uh, what is the seven or four virtues, was it? There's the four cardinal virtues, right? Yeah. Um, the uh, Have uh, temperance, so what ought to be wanted and not wanted. Uh, justice, what ought to be share, uh, shared and not shared. Strength, to be able to do these virtues, you know, stuff like this. It's, it's basic tenets, uh, basic virtues we work towards. But the thing about Stoicism is you don't do Stoicism by learning shit and repeating shit. You do stoicism by doing shit. Excellence is not earned um, by learning what the right thing is. Excellence is earned by just doing the right thing. So stoicism is a practical philosophy, which is why it, again speaks to me because I'm not a I'm not a guy that you know likes blind faith. Neither am I a guy who likes to give up complete control. Neither am I someone who can just kind of you know look at the sun and do la da da whatever. I need to do something. I need a purpose, and stoicism offers that. Was it a religion for them back then, Anderson? Uh, no, it, it was, a it was a way of life. Like, a, exactly. It was a way of life. And actually <laughs> I was going to start believed this. in God, right? Like all these guys, they, they always talk about the one Plato, Pythagoras, all these guys, they always talk about the one, like the, the greatness, the perfect, the, you know, the monad. monad yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but this is like, uh, like pretty much like the 10 commandments towards sort of thing. Like, don't be a piece of shit in society and do what you have to do. But at the same time, be what rational, right? Like, be exactly. use common sense. 
Exactly. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because you have some cosmic ledger that's going to let you into some special club after after you die type of thing. Like, nah, you just do the right thing because shit, it's the right thing to do. Why is that? Like, this is my question, right? It's like, I hear you. Like, that totally makes sense to me, right? Because, like, duh, right? You, you know, just you want other people to be good to you, so you try to be that. But is there that rationale because they believe something is watching over their shoulder, judging them at every moment? Or is that, fuck it, just to do it? Just because maybe if I do get reincarnated and come back to this motherfucker, I'll be in a better place. Right. So what we're talking about here, if I can use just a few small jargon words, we're talking about ethics in philosophy, right? And and all philosophers through time have studied ethics, right? The same way most all philosophers have believed in something greater than us. Sure. We, we all have, including me, right? I, I keep pushing spirituality, just not in the way religion does. But uh, to get back to ethics, how do you decide, right, what is right, what is wrong? So there is deontology, which is a set of rules, which is what religion is. It tells you do these things. Yeah. then you're a good person. You can go to sleep at night feeling like you're not a piece of shit. There is consequentialism, which is what our modern society is. You think about, you know, the greater good. What's the best action? What's going to be, you know, uh, going to a building a church on Sunday and putting 50 bucks in there? Is that the greatest good? Or donating to the Red Cross that's helping actively in Africa? Is that going to be the greatest good? That's how you would decide consequentialism. What I like about Stoicism is it comes in this third category called virtue ethics, meaning it puts everything, every decision, every virtuous decision, ethical decision, moral decision on you. So I cannot cop out and say the book told me to do it. I cannot cop out and say, well, I I was thinking it was going to turn out okay, um, so I ignored the rules. No, I have to make a judgment every moment on what is the right thing to do, given the information that's available to me, given all the objective information that's available to me. And, yeah, and birds fly north, right? Sorry? Yeah. Birds fly fucking north, man. Exactly. You just know what to do. Not, you know, that's interesting you say that because it's like, you, you because I'm like Catholic, both, you know, reformed on both sides, you know what I mean? And so it's like, every Sunday you can clear that palate if you want. That's crazy to think that you got that in your bag, that you can just be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and you know what the craziest thing about all this chris is that these guys were guys thousands of years ago that were talking about this shit right they were they were contemplating about all this and it's so when you really break it down and start thinking about it it's so relevant in today's terms and if people actually followed these sorts of things imagine how much more harmonious right uh, society itself would be and how everything would just fall into place right instead of how for the Stoics, the logos is like this, this, this universal force that they can't control. But for the Christians, the logos is a personal and up close, right? It's God to them. So it's a very personal relationship, but the Stoics just thought, Hey, if you can't control it, just let it fucking be. So imagine if, if rationality ruled all of us today, how everything would just, because everything, a lot of, a lot of things right now, like if you look at the polarities right now in in society, it's all emotionally driven. It's all by emotion. It's not rational thought. It's, oh, I feel that this is supposed to, well, is it the best choice for it to be that way? Or is it because, oh, because you feel that way. Oh yeah. Me and my other, you know, this is where I think Satanism comes in. If, If you're using Satanism for shorthand for selfishness, that's really the question. Is it good for you or is it good for the whole? I think it's as long as you're not hurting any, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, 
I say do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Don't hurt children, number one. Don't hurt yourself. And don't hurt others. If you want to worship the, sp- the, the spaghetti monster, for all I fucking care, do what you want, right? If that brings you peace, and if that makes rational sense to you, then do your thing. You know what yeah. I mean? But now we live in this Christianized society that you have to, what, what Anderson was saying, this cosmic father standing on the outside of, of space and time, watching you, making sure that you don't masturbate on, on Friday night and, and pay your tithings. And he's the one that's going to rule everything and make sure that, you know, when you die, you're going to go on to that next higher. Concept. You're talking about fucking dogma and you're talking about fucking dangling the carrot of being good. Like such a crazy concept that they've, Cause the problem is when we think Stoics, man, we think some guy using like a rock as a pillow. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. So I don't sleep with a pillow. So there's a little bit of truth to that. Wait, do you but, not really? What? No, I don't use a pillow. No, but so oh, here I will this. explain this. Okay, I'm oh, gonna neck, be neck support, I'm gonna... bro. You got a neck support that neck, bro. <laughs> you got the so, fucking strongest neck, but he's just laying the down there holding his neck up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you see? Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm going to debunk this myth with my personal story here. So you see, people think stoicism is this tough guy thing where I, I sleep on the floor with a rock yeah. on my face and, you know, yeah. my hand in a bear <laughs> trap, whatever. Really? No, we, we don't. <laughs> self-punishment is not virtue, right? But I don't sleep with a pillow. So why? is Am I self-punishing? No. Here's the story. I'm a CPA. I traveled a lot back in the day. I was traveling a lot for work. And for anyone who travels, they know yeah. the hardest part of getting a good night's sleep is that Burn motherfucking down. pillow, damn pillow on that bed. Every so time. I made, uh, you know, so this is how Stoics meditate. I took my journal, I sat down and I wrote down the facts. And then I boiled it down to you travel, idiot. You can't stop traveling, idiot. The pillow is the problem, idiot. Remove the problem. Done. So I stopped sleeping with the pillow, sucked for the first two weeks. Sleep like a baby every night since no matter where I'm at. Sick. That's awesome. What the fuck? And you never talked about this shit on my podcast ever. And you come and drop that <laughs> bomb here, that drop that hammer here. How, I, well, well, you, you just well, lay like this? Is it? Like, <laughs> just lay down? and Yeah. You sleep in sure. a park and, and no problem. Is that is is there a downside sure. to that where you now you're able to fall asleep in places where maybe you oh, shouldn't? That- Easy, dude. That's is a- it ever a problem to be able to fall asleep, dude? When you're driving. Yeah. Riding a <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're pretty right. sure you're if right. I'm operating a motor vehicle, I'm, uh, I have to be a little bit alert. Remember in uh, when that girl falls asleep and she almost falls in the stoop? Remember that shit? Oh, yeah. Like, we, we ties her hair up. Ties her hair in a knot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking about, bro. Uh, that's, wild. that's wild to me. And I didn't know that that whole, right? Because uh, how Chris is saying, when you think of a stoic, you think of somebody with no emotion and just no, just sto- stoic face, right? Just like stone face, whatever. And yeah. it's so much more than that. That's why I reached out to Anderson when I first uh, uh, came across. I, I forgot how the fuck I came across Anderson. It was his Reddit. Was it Reddit, right? It was yeah. Reddit, and then it was you have a podcast, and then your books. And I was like, man, this this is this shit's interesting, right? Because it makes so much sense to me. And it was again what what I always tell the guys: we're still following, right? The the things that the, these guys are so ahead of their time back then that they were talking and contemplating. Maybe they had all the time in the world, right? To to think about these things and contemplate and write. Dude. 
and just you know what i mean think about the existence uh, the, the 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 reality of, of of everything right the fabric of existence and but when they talk about these things you go, this makes so much sense but the foundations of society nowadays are built on that but we've lost a lot of that shit you know what i mean a lot of that stuff has been taken away because it doesn't benefit right the lizard. Some of this fucking super old school time thought type of thought that you're talking about, one I think is really interesting because it's like it's almost futuristic. I like say it all the time where it's like the water's so hot that it feels cold. You know, it's like it's so futuristic that it appears kind of backwards. You know what I mean? And uh, like, dude, if we were living in the jungle and we had pyramids and fresh fruit and shit, like that'd be pretty fucking futuristic and sick, right? Like for sure. And like, we all think like, oh, these fucking cavemen, you know, no way, dude. These guys were fucking living it up on this planet. I think in a lot of Anderson, you look like a conquistador, dude. <laughs> Ole. <laughs> fucking sick, dude. Maybe that because you were one in another life. You know what I mean? You came back hard as nails, bro. Like, ready to swashbuckle. You know what I mean? Uh, I hope I wasn't that bad. Those guys weren't very nice. Well, you never know, dude. Uh, Maybe that's why I'm so nice now. I'm trying to make up for it, right? (laughs) Maybe that's how you're hard as nails, bro. You're just so hard that it goes through life to life to life. You're just hard, bad man, through life, through generations. You believe in reincarnation, Anderson? Where did the Stoics stand with that as far as, like, what you do with karma, right? What, what, What was their whole thing behind that? Uh, there's no karma. Again, Stoics are focused in the present. Like if there's something more after, cool. I don't know though. I don't know about that. And it doesn't affect me right now. And I don't need some guy up there, you know, making sure I'm doing the right thing to to see if I get a 10 speed bike at Christmas or not. I'll just do the right thing now and worry about it later. Right. Um, but for the um, um, reincarnation, I mean, you <laughs> define reincarnation. If it means continuing on in some way or fashion absolutely and and how can you deny it you know we know the matter part of us continues we know everything in the universe right laws of uh, of um uh, thermodynamics right everything continues in some way fashion or whatever just because we don't understand where the consciousness comes from and we don't understand what it is and how it works all we know really is that it kind of exists we can't even define how it exists technically our best definition of consciousness is a self-hallucination that's that's literally the science's best definition, right? So, uh, reincarnation in in some way where I can remember past lives or there's some connection in a temporal world, highly improbable. So, I'm I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not going to live banking on that kind of output or or, or uh, uh, next life. I do believe for sure the consciousness continues on in some way. We just we have no idea. I don't even think it's from this dimension, right? I saw you had the tesseract on there on the Instagram the other day. Um, oh yeah, I have that in my second book and your you, uh, wow. your duality within where I talk about this like we exist in this three dimensional world we can see one dimension and two dimensions and three but we can't see above we know for a fact there's at least 11 or for a fact science knows for a fact that there's at least 11 but we can't see it right and in the book I explain how one can see and not see across dimensions. I use examples of the flat surface world and, and three-dimensional things traveling through a, a, that, Is that the flat earth, Anderson? Uh, Christopher, no, I'm not a flat earth. <laughs> but uh, Christopher here looks interested. Just imagine a flat world, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, like, Uh-oh, like look, at, look at Mark, look at Mark. He's like... Okay. Whatever's living on top of this cannot see up or down, right? Mm-hmm. They're two-dimensional beings as well, right? They can only see around. So if something like this cup were to travel through this 
two-dimensional world, all these guys living on here are going to see is a circle appear out of nowhere and then disappear, right? Us three-dimensional beings, we can see this three-dimensional object because we can see up and down. These guys can't. So in the same way, us three-dimensional objects can't see anything beyond three dimensions. So the consciousness is most probably somewhere in there, but I, I don't know. Either way, it does not affect in any way, shape, or form how I make decisions in my life today. But yeah, I believe in reincarnation in some fashion. You know, reincarnation you, under the, this flat earth? Uh, not on this earth and definitely not on this flat one. <laughs> the, 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 the craziest thing about the Tesseract, right? That, that the, the triangle with all the dots. The whole thing behind that was that Pythagoras understood that between those dots is intervals, right? And he said that pretty much what they were getting out was string theory. And again, these guys in the year fucking 400 are talking about this shit, bro. He says in between these intervals and has to do with the music of the spheres and harmonics and music and intervals and all this shit between that, right? Because he said that motion leads from surfaces to solids. This is what they were all about. They were about wanting to interpret their ideas into shapes. So we talked about earlier, the platonic solids, right? So he says that there are certain frequencies that in between those intervals that we can't see. So there are other worlds and other things. So in the dimensions of motion alone, there is the possibility that in the same space we occupy is occupied by a multitude of other creational systems. And, Again, string theory, these guys are so fucking ahead of their time. They understood that there is something more to what just meets the eye and what Anderson is talking about, right? If you're on certain frequencies or whatever it is, you aren't able to see past that. You're not able to break past that veil and see further. And this is what these guys were on, bro. This is this is what these guys were trying to, to decipher. You know what I mean? The fucking Plato talked about how the soul has to transcend through the fucking dimensions before it gets to where he needs to go, right? Uh, he called it. I forgot what the fuck he called it. But anyways, uh, uh, they were they were on that shit, bro. They were. They, that's what that. That's why the whole what I call it earlier the, the divine artificer. Is that what Plato called it, Anderson? The the creator, the demiurge, where the first mover. Yeah, the first mover, bro. What the fuck? So Anderson, does this have to do at all with uh, any other systems like Masonic systems or like Kabbalah or like any of these other systems? Kabbalah. Kabbalah. <laughs> Kabbalah, blah, blah, blah. What do you mean? Kabbalah? Yeah. Yeah, that one. That one, so, motherfucker. <laughs> the Stoics, so if we go back to the to the olden days, they it, it was a theology, okay? Sorry? How did I say it? I said it funny, huh? Sorry. The Kabbalists. Are you high, motherfucker? <laughs> Sorry, Kabbalah. Keep going. Sorry, bro. No problem. Um, they were, they were, the it was a theology. So they did believe there was a little bit of uh, religious aspect to it as well, right? So they did believe in a lot of these. For, for Stoics, the pure reincarnation was um, everything comes from an explosion and then it expands. And this fire then collapses and then it re-expands and it collapses. So it's kind of like what we know about the Big Bang Theory and the great collapse, right? They're already talking about this back then. Um, but, but I think it was more symbolism for them back then. But to answer you, Chris, throughout history, 
whoever had either esoteric knowledge or great power was in these inner circles up above um, that in some way, shape or form, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily run the world, but definitely influence it in a way that affects uh, everybody. And so at the time, the Stoics were, it was the philosophy, right? Uh, until Christianity exed philosophy completely, it was the main predominant philosophy. So were they tied to these secretive organizations in the back? Sure, absolutely, I would yeah, believe sure. it if somebody were to suggest that because everybody who's had any kind of power at any point in history was in those circles, and that's all those circles stay on top. I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, when you look at Kabbalah, Kabbalah, they do a very, <laughs> they do like the, you know, the, uh, the tree of life. And that's with the yeah. Sephora. And what you're talking about is the individual pathways are 32 or 33 with Doth, depending how you do the math. Like, or you look at Metatron's cube or you look at the, what Plato and those guys swore to the Tetractus or whatever the fuck. And that's right. The, 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 the platonic solids. And there's, these are, these are systems, right. That you find. And I didn't know if there was one specifically that was like, you know, Kabbalah is tied to Judaism, for example. Right. Um, okay. I'm going to answer this question and you guys are going to have to be patient with me because I'm, you're going to want context. Uh, our school begins with public masturbation. And it's tied to public masturbation. Let me explain. <laughs> and by the way, Juan, this was going to be my intro, dude, because you said that these guys like dick jokes. So I was going to say, hey, I'm going to talk yeah. about public masturbation today. Juan. What the fuck? Juan, <laughs> Juan, next time speak for yourself when you tell the guests what uh, to Real. expect. <laughs> I, I don't remember saying that to him, bro, to be honest. Anderson Silver kind of sounds like a porn name a little bit. <laughs> yeah, slinging that dick. Slinging that dick, son. <laughs> So um, this is in reference to Diogenes. Diogenes was a cynic. I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy. Oh, dude. He was the most savage philosopher ever. He is my absolute favorite ancient philosopher, hands down. When I meditate, oftentimes I try to meditate on Diogenes. Really? And uh, jokingly, I'll say very, very uh, common among my, my group here. I wish I had the strength and uh, discipline to be able to poop and masturbate in public like Diogenes did, like squad goals uh, wow. or, or whatever. Uh, bucket this is list. for real, bro. You would jerk <laughs> off and shit in public, bro. You didn't give a fuck. So Diogenes was the son of a banker. They were loaded. And he realized uh, at a young age, like, screw this. Like, this financial system doesn't make sense. So he started the facing uh, the money in his father's bank. He got kicked out of a bunch of places. Uh, he ended up living on the street. He became a cynic. Uh, it was a school that was started by one of Socrates' pupils. And they basically said, man, fuck everything. Like, none of this matters. Sell everything. And that's what you would have to do. You would just keep a robe and a satchel, and that's it. And you live on the streets, and you would just live an honest life. And so Diogenes, you know, he said, he has this famous quote, I pissed on the man who called me a dog. Why was he upset then? So he's just preaching, basically, like, let's just live a very honest Honest life. You're going to call me a dog? Fine. I'll piss on your leg like a dog. Don't complain about it then. Dude, that guy's the OG gutter punks. That's the guy. That's, <laughs> the, that's, what, that's why people say, oh, you're so cynical. Well, it comes from this fucking guy, bro. Wow, dude. There's a right? lot of fucking uh, cynics in Portland, dude. Let me tell you, dude. Uh, two, two true stories about Alexander the Great, because it's Alexander the Great's own historians that wrote about this. Uh, he met him on two occasions, okay? And Alexander the Great's own teacher was Aristotle. So this says a lot. Alexander the Great loved Diogenes. He said, you're my favorite philosopher. I came to visit you. Name me anything, anything from my vast empire. The gift is yours. Diogenes just kind of looked at him and said, 
can you just move to the left a little? Cause you're blocking the sun. That's it. <laughs> Alexander the great bro. He said, fucking move over, bro. That's all I want. <laughs> and then he says, Alexander the great says, man, Diogenes, you are such a calm. Like if I was not Alexander the great, I would wish to be Diogenes. And Diogenes looks at him and says, if I wasn't Diogenes, I would wish to be Diogenes too. <laughs> Like, th- this was the guy. <laughs> Bro, you see that? Is that like, good or bad? Is that good? It's good. <laughs> it's great. Because he didn't give a fuck. He no, just bro. did not care. So what the cynics preach was happiness is available to everyone. And the rule is very simple. Yeah, but yachts the, uh, have a price, bro. Yachts have a fucking price tag, bro. It's like, no, you know no. what I mean? And his name, price tag. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, the name Diogenes right meant living like the dogs. So he, he's known for this famous uh, portrait. He lived in wine barrels with the dogs. And people would throw scraps from their uh, banquet tables at him. So he would run up on the banquet tables and start pissing on everyone from on top of the tables. He would go to temples. And when the women were prostrate on the ground praying to the gods, he'd go behind them and start jerking off. (laughs) And the point he was trying to make is, you're all fucking lunatics. We're animals. Like, what are you doing? What are you praying to? Why are you guys sitting around a table looking all night? Just eat. What is this etiquette? What is this religion nonsense? Can we just be normal and be like normal to each other and forget all this nonsense? That's what they stood for. And did he, did he have a cult, Anderson? Did he have a cult following? Yeah, yeah, he did big yeah. time. And it still does today. You know, the school of cynicism, cynicism still exists today. Why is it that we always follow these people? Like, uh, for example, this reminds me. I fucking hate this guy, but but. This guy reminds me of Aleister Crowley, right? Like this, this edge Lord that, that mm. does all this shit to get like a cult following and people, people are polarized to that, right? People are polarized to these characters that are, that are just outgoing. And, and, and I know Mark knows a lot more about Aleister Crowley than I do, but right. Do you have these people who, again, he was also a rich kid, wanted to just do some occult shit and, you know, fuck everybody's wives, get cucked, whatever it was that he was into but people are, are, are the he's like this influential person to them. And I'm like, what do you see in this fucking guy? He was copying other people to begin with. So, you know what I mean? Why is it that people are so polarized? Alexander the Great said, I want to be like you, bro. The Alexander the Great was like, I want to be like you. We always want shit in this life that we'll probably never have or, or not, not that we'll never have it because you can have anything you want, but that we won't be committed to. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 he could, he could have been him. He could have just lived in the street, masturbated, pissed ever, whatever, but he chose not to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a great seg. And that's why I wanted to start with the, you know, hashtag public masturbation because he represents the animal primal side in us. And if we're going to talk about the duality, that's where it begins, right? We are, I mean, when you look in the mirror, we don't see us. We see this vessel, this, body full of pus and whatever crap this thing that grows and ages and aches and whatever and we look in the mirror and we keep calling this thing me but it changes we cannot possibly be changing right so when we look in the mirror and we refer to ourselves we're looking at our real selves which is call it your soul your spirit, your consciousness. Uh, We refer to it as the rational mind, right? It's my rational mind that's thinking, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. So uh, we live in a society, in modern society, that's very organized, and we have rules crammed down our throats. 
etiquette rules, work rules, house rules. Dude, I got to cut my grass a certain height. Like it's just rules, rules, rules. And we follow these rules because it makes for good living at first, but then it kind of gets out of hand, whatever. And we stop thinking outside the box. We start thinking, or rather we stop, we only think within the confines of these rules. And so these animal primal people appeal to us in the movies, right? The Rambo types or the whatever's, the drifters. We You, you tend to kind of, gravitate towards them and cheer for them on the on the down low right it's because they're being that guy that we didn't get to be or maybe we were or wish we could or whatever yeah it's it's like i love the the analogy analogy you use right because and, and for those that don't know uh, anderson has written three books right and literally the second book or is it was it the second book anderson the duality within yeah, your duality within literally. Your duality your within. Duality. And it, it, I love how you put it that one day that we were having this, I think it was over a year ago, the conversation that we had where you talked about how our body's like a, a, an old computer. You know which one I'm talking about? How the software isn't updated and how it's not, how we're still in like this old primal. We're still, our bodies are still trying to fight off those saber tooth tigers from back then that were attacking us. Right. And we haven't exactly. caught up with the fucking times. Exactly. Can you, can you get into that? Cause I, I well, love the way you before, put it. Before, you know, I just want to point out because you started with the public masturbation thing and I understand, you know, Juan gave you the impression that we wanted you to exaggerate things or whatnot <laughs> for the sake of humor. You know, Juan, we, we found out earlier today that Juan likes to record podcasts wearing a toga. So just a shout out for the audio listeners, just to give you a visual uh, but I'm wondering, you know, because you kind of touched on this a little bit, the sort of misrepresentation of stoicism, at least in the modern age, people misunderstand it as something that's, you know, indifferent or unemotional. And really, I think it's important to understand the historical context of stoics and what they were sort of under the reign of right this tyrannical imperial roman uh influence that was very hedonistic and it seems like from what i'm reading here uh they were very much on the side of good lying in the state of the soul itself and wisdom and and self-control so you know when you talk about like public masturbation and whatnot it's it sounds like it doesn't sound very like self-control but i can understand why you know in the face of the hypocrisy it was sort of like a public uh you know uh site you know a site created to stir people up and shake them out of you know this this spell that they were under from the roman government you know the heavy religious psychology that they were manipulating uh and it's interesting too to note that a lot of people who kind of created this situation with the separation between church and state were um, thinking along the lines of stoicism. But, you know, this is much later on in, in history and the Renaissance. So I guess my question is how much of your books touch on the historical aspects of uh, stoicism? Because I think that's one of the more fascinating areas you can get into within this topic. Uh, yeah, great question. And uh, just to c- clarify, Diogenes was a cynic. Of course, he wasn't a stoic, but yeah. the cynics are our older cousins. The starting right. point is we're animals. So later on, what the stoics do, what Zeno of Sidium did, he added on top of that is like, okay, cool, we are animals and we are just stardust, but let's do something with that time. 
And that, that, you know, let's apply rational thought to be virtuous, virtue meaning work towards the betterment of humanity. Uh, and this whole story behind this, this story, like Xenocidium, you know, he, he loses his fortune. He's walking around on an island figuring out what the hell am I going to do? My ship just sank. Uh, and then he runs into a bookstore and starts reading this book from Socrates. And he's like, this is good stuff. We asked the bookkeeper, we're going to find more of this. And the bookkeeper points, hey, there's one walking right there. And he points to the cynic, uh, Kratos, who trains, you know, Sidium. You know, there's all these fun stories in the, in the history of Stoicism. And uh, from its beginnings to, um, to uh, its, its Greek times, because, you know, Stoicism begins in ancient Greece, then it goes to Rome. So it has this transition. Uh, there's some great philosophers like Epictetus, uh, a really, you know, cool story story about him and indifference um uh his uh, he was a slave his master was breaking his leg because he was upset with him and as he was breaking his leg and punishing him epictetus looks at him dead in the eye and says bro you're about to break my leg if you push any further it's going to break and so the, this upsets the slave owner because you know he's like why aren't you upset nah, i'm gonna break your leg now and he breaks it then epictetus looks at him dead in the eye and he says there you go now you have a slave with a broken leg who's the real loser here so there's all these great stories. Um, no, my books don't cover it. My books are meant to introduce the discipline of Stoicism and how we can apply it immediately to our lives right now. So my books are 100 pages. Yeah, they're very short, uh, straight to the point. Uh, Stoic authors never write fluff and, 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 and muff. Um, we don't tell stories. It's just what do we need to do? But I highly recommend if people are interested in this, there are great books out there. The Inner Citadel by um, Paul. I remember his last name. But the book's name is Inner Citadel. Great on the history of Stoics. A breakdown of Marcus Aurelius's meditations, which was his own journal, an John, emperor's own John journal. Christman or Pierre Hadot? Pierre Hadot, thank you very much. Pierre Hadot, uh, highly, that's the book I recommend for people who want to learn the school of Stoicism. My books are like your cliff notes. <laughs> if you want to just apply quick things to be able to sleep better at night, like that's about it. Well, yeah, and meditations of Marcus Aurelius. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that real quick? That's really super interesting. Yeah, so Marcus Aurelius's meditations is the one of the most famous ones. There like were their multiple, Bible, right, Anderson? It's like their their Bible of of what they follow. This is all that he wrote. No, no, that's the thing. We have no Bible, man. That's the thing. So everybody knows these three books. They know Epictetus's Enchiridion. They know Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Everybody knows that because he was a Roman freaking emperor, right? And then there's uh, Seneca's Moral Letters. So one book is a, a student's notes that he was taken from his teacher. Epictetus never wrote anything down. So Epictetus's discourses or Enchiridion is Arian's notes from class. That said, whatever scraps were survived. Marcus Aurelius's meditations, it's his own journal. It's just what he was writing to himself at night, saying things like, stop being a bitch. You're gonna wake up in the morning and you're gonna lead your soldiers like a proper emperor into battle, like stuff like that, you know? But that discipline that he was teaching himself became inspiration for generations after. Uh, Seneca's uh, letters were, well, that's exactly what it was. It was letters between him and his good friend who was going through litigation and was worried about losing his fortune. And Seneca wrote these series of a hundred something letters explaining why it doesn't matter. And so this is what modern day Stoics use for our education, if you will. This is all we have. But Stoicism, again, it's not about reading and learning shit. It's about just living a good life with a few very simple rules. It's not complicated. And the basicest rule is, hey, if it's the right thing to do, do it. If it's the wrong thing to do, don't do it. And we all know what the right thing to do is. We just tend to rationalize 
what we want to do instead of thinking rationally to do what we ought to do. Is jerking off in public the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? So in today's modern day, very wrong, very much wrong thing to do. <laughs> okay, cool. I think just, <laughs> but you see, it, what fascinates me is how we've strayed away from that, Anderson, as far as, you know, with, with, with society, we've, it, it, we've, we fucked it up. I mean, we we had we were on a good roll, and then they just here they are sacrificing babies, drinking adrenochrome, doing all this shit that the 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 ancients said not to do. You know, don't hurt others. Be a good fucking person. Don't be a piece of shit. And then here we are doing all these other things. You know what I mean? Man, Jean Jacques Rousseau said it best. If if when that first person once upon a time put a stake in the ground and said, "This is now mine. This plot of line, this plot of land." If somebody picked those stakes up, threw it in the ditch and said, this is not yours, this is all of ours, how many problems we would avoid today? Fuck yeah, like that's punk as fuck. Jean-Jacques Rousseau was kicked out of three countries, man. Three. He was badass too. <laughs> wow. They told him to get fucked every time he would put down a stake. He'd be like, this is mine. Get the fuck, get the fuck out of here and just kick him out. <laughs> well, and but you know what I mean? Like it's lost in translation, right? Like what, what? I think we had a good template back then and then they've just shit all over it and made it something else that it's. I think really what, what you, and sorry to interject Anderson, cause I do want to hear your response to this, but to tag on to what Juan's saying, you know, I think at that time the control grid hadn't quite put a handle on what we would now today might, you know, know as the mystery schools, which the platonic school, you know, fits in within that category. Maybe it's a little more mainstream than like the Eleusinian mysteries or something more deep like that. But it does seem like these guys were in opposition to the forces that may have manifested into, you know, what we would call now the Illuminati. So I'm wondering, you know, how many other historical figures are unnoticed that might have had these stoic philosophical ideas, uh, but, you know, didn't quite see the light of day because they were the enemy of, of state naturally with their philosophy? Yeah. So one thing that made the Stoics differ from cynics is uh, we said we must do something. We have a duty to do something. So we choose to play this game. We see it as a game, but we choose to play this game to help the other players along that don't see it for what it is. This is my sole purpose in life right now. Okay. This is why I didn't change my life drastically and sell everything. I'm still working my CPA job on the side. You know, I, I haven't changed anything. It's just I changed the way in I spend my time and money now as opposed to what can I buy now? What can I do? I'm, I'm spending it a little bit more. I suppose what you would call altruistically, I say it's selfish because it's making the world better. I live in this world, you know, it all comes back. Um, but Mark, to your point, so many Stoics were killed and persecuted because we stand up for what is right, right? Uh, the, the virtue of justice. If there is justice to be had, justice ought to be sought otherwise what the fuck are we doing here you know i'm gonna hide in a cave and just wait until i rot away and die no uh, i would rather die doing what's right than live 50 years thinking about man i had my one shot <laughs> yeah i think that though they were the og conspiracy theories right they, they, they were the ones that like we we see stoicism today how you're saying right do the right thing spread and guide your brethren to the light, right? Because everybody nowadays in society is blind. They, they do what they're told. 
They 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 don't they don't want to speak out against the shit like right uh what was it Diogenes was his name right the the guy who said Diogenes fuck the system right you know you know fuck all these people I'm gonna do what I want to do and then but like you said a lot of these Stoics were what wiped out because history his story well, to the to the one of the, the spoils you know and another yeah. or or kill themselves not wiped out but kill themselves to not really? deny the pleasure to their uh, persecutors. What? Mm, like a sort of a Japanese sort of honor Senpuku, sacrifice right? type of thing, yeah. Senpuku, what was uh, called? Well, the samurai were very stoic. Huge overlap between samurai discipline and stoicism. Mm, mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Anderson, what other cultures do you find this in? Like, you got to find like similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Eastern culture, like the Tao Te Ching, right? Uh, Lao Tzu, fucking awesome. Like, it, it, basically, the core lessons that's in Stoicism. You can find in uh, Eastern, both modern and ancient. Same, uh, same in the Western side, both modern and ancient. Frederick Nietzsche was saying the exact same stuff right. that, uh, you know, René Descartes was saying a couple of hundred years before him, that the Stoics were saying a thousand years before them, uh, that Socrates were saying, uh, you know, a couple of hundred years before them. And I'm sure other people were talking about this before. We just don't have written records. The right. earliest record we have is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And there's fucking moral lessons in the Epic of Gilgamesh. So we know that we've been yeah. thinking about this as long as we started sitting around, right, when we started doing ag- agriculture with the agricultural revolution about 12,000 years ago, when we finally had some people in the tribe that had enough time to sit around, not have to work for food, and just think, well, since that time, we've really been digging deep into this stuff. And it seems like, you know, it's kind of uh, been we'll say watered down or maybe even suppressed because of its opposition to, you know, theos or theology. You know, you, you look, you're looking at its connection to other cultures. One that I'm seeing here on the Wikipedia page, take that for what it's worth, uh, is Stoicism's uh, relation to Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism in their cosmological beliefs and, and how their the universe is sort of this self-creating, self-destroying, infinite Thing and, and God is really just the universe itself and not a, you know, anthropomorphized entity that we can, you know, admonish or pray to, you know. So I, there's definitely a lot of overlap, but I think this is kind of important for us, you know, considering the, the name of the show and what we like to talk about here as conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, I think epistemological, epistemology if i'm pronouncing that word correctly is very important we have to use reason when we're looking at some of these really out there conspiracies because you know there's a lot of truth but unless you have the discernment to you know look at things logically you might get caught out in the weeds so to speak and really just discredit yourself in the long run so I'm I, I'm excited, you know, to learn a little bit more about, you know, some of these stoic tenets and, and how I can integrate this into my own, you know, process. Yeah, that's why I recommend listening to Anderson Silver's uh, uh, podcast. And to touch on what you were saying, Mark, the Pythagoreans, I really don't like Pythagoras all that much, but the Pythagoreans, they saw everything as fact, right? Everything to them was fact. And we go back to the the... Uh, the to track this right because the dots the dots will forever be there now how you get from one dot to the other changes so the truth will always forever be the truth 
how you get to that truth is different to everybody else. So how you get, you know, me and Mark may get to the same idea in different ways. So the Pythagoreans saw everything as facts. So when you, when you told the Pythagoreans something, there's a story that somebody goes up to Pythagoras and is like, Hey, I saw, uh, I was talking to my dead dad in a dream. And what does it mean? He goes, nothing. Right. Because it, it, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. It doesn't matter as long as everything is, is there. He can't prove that he talked to his dad or not. You know what I mean? It, does, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. But whatever that means to you is your truth. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to forever be there. So I just thought that that was interesting. And again, back to the to the to track this where it's it, bro, it's the fucking center of everything, dog. Trust me, I'm gonna figure this shit out for the for the <laughs> record. I actually love Pythagoras. I just think I'm driving you crazy with all this shit that I'm fucking talking about. Because I'm balls deep right now and just and just Pythagoreanism. Just came out of left field. I dig it though. <laughs> Back to the topic, Chris. You had a yeah. question. Yeah, were they huffing gas in the Aleutian mystery schools that were coming out of the cracks on the ground, or which you know what I mean, or was that just like the no, wait, no, no, sorry, that was the Oracle of Delphi. My yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But there, Fuck. there's a good overlap between the Oracle of Delphi and uh, what Mark was saying. Uh, do you guys know the story of Socrates and the Oracle of Delphi? Was it even Real Anderson? Well, it, we assume he was for all intents and purposes, but we don't know for sure because we he only appears on. Uh, Plato's writings. We only see his name on two other pieces of written things that survive. So, and one's a poem, Anderson and the other's Silver. a song. So it's not even like a historical document. He was another uh, Anderson Silver, bro. We don't even know he's fucking real or not. Could be exactly. Could be. But <laughs> so the Oracle of Delphi says Socrates is the wisest man in the world, in, in all of Athens. And Socrates says, "That's bullshit. I'm going to prove it to you." And he walks around Athens all day long for days and days and days, asking people what he doesn't know. So he says, guys, I don't understand what love is. Explain it to me. And everyone gives their different versions of their answer, right? And, and none of them is right. He's like, no, that, that's not a true answer. That's not the definition of love. That's just your convenient, subjective view of what love is. So uh, fast forward to the end of the story, Socrates is the wisest man in all of Athens because he admits what he does not know for sure. And this is where the Socratic method comes from. Uh, you cross off the wrong answers that are for sure wrong, but you don't cross off anything else, right? Here, because we're so gung-ho and go, 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 go get it, we tend to just go with the most likely, most probable uh, scenarios and outcomes, right? We go with uh, Occam's razor is the most probable explanation. Well, yeah, the most probable explanation is by definition the most probable explanation, duh. But that doesn't discount all the other ones. So what I tell Juan often, you know, we joke about conspiracies and, and some of them are crazy, maybe out there on the spectrum. Some of them are not, but they're all different truths, right? The truth is, is a different line for different people. And none of us can know either of this for sure, right? Afterlife is a simple topic. Like, yeah, no one can know that there's an afterlife. No one can know that there is not one either. So uh, as a stoic, my answer to all of this is, None of it matters because I still got to live my day and let me hold the store for this guy that's coming down, even though he's 15 steps away. Hey, look, he's even smiling now. I bet you he's going to hold the door for someone else later on today. I'm a good person. I feel good. Moving on. It's interesting because yeah. it has like a touch of like nihilism or Buddhism or something to where it's like there's no carrot dangling. Well, it's like there's no reason to be a good person. And that's scary for some people because they're like, ooh, I can get away with being a bad person. You know what I mean? And then they yeah. fucking run with that shit. You know, not a lot of people have that North Star. 
You know what I mean? So you're, you're, you think Jesus, you've come to that conclusion or whatever you want to think, you know, that you come to that conclusion, you're actually a decent human being. Cause if you come to that conclusion, you're an asshole. The whole world could be in trouble. Yeah. And the starting point of stoicism is everybody, everybody is in a decrepit state, morally speaking. We're all pieces of shit, including ourselves. Okay. This is the starting point of stoicism. You accept this. But there's an important distinction. It is against our own will. We don't want to be bad. We don't want to be decrepit. We don't want to be weak. We wish we could do more. We wish we could do better. That's the starting point, right? So next step is we're animals with a capacity for reason. So let's not ignore our natural animal side, which is very basic, like the cynics. But let's also not ignore this something more that's within us, whatever you want to call it. It's special. Let's work with that. Also, hey, I'm here, so let me do something with my time. So this is the combination that brings one to this. And, and again, it's not altruism. It's I, I truly believe, and I think most people would agree who don't have hate in their heart because the world is crushing them. People inherently don't want to do bad. You know, you see the way children act like they don't want to do bad. I don't believe in our criminal justice system. I don't believe anyone is actually a bad person from birth. Some people might have a defect, a chemical imbalance, but we have to work with them, not encapsulate them in a room that's padded and forget about them for the rest of their lives, right? So criminals are a failure on society. They're not a failure of the individual. So this is the view that we have. And the reason I, I believe we're missing this in our society is because we don't talk about this at all at school. Okay, not everyone's going to agree with this, but a lot of people do. If we don't talk about these in school, there's no philosophy in our in our curriculum system, right? Then the kids don't even know to even think about these things. Yeah, it's, that's that, that, bro. This is why I love this shit because it makes you fucking think, bro. It makes you think about just everything, right? Like what you just said that that makes perfect sense to me. They're not a failure to themselves; they're a failure to society. But yet they're outcasted and exiled for things that they did. But right? wait. We gotta we gotta admit there's some people that are just naturally fucking evil. No, I cannot. I have no evidence to suggest that somebody is naturally evil. Uh, 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 Karl Marx, Mao Zedong, Hitler, Pol Pot. <laughs> Did uh, you know them oh, when they were five years that? old? So Albert Einstein and Adolf Hitler were born about 120 kilometers apart. Yeah, you just killed within me, a few years of each other, and I start my. Oh, man, if I knew this, I'd open the chapter. I have a chapter that starts with Adolf Hitler and Albert Einstein were pretty much the same person. And then I go to point out the exact same prejudice that you came at me at this subject with. Yeah, Hitler was a horrible guy. Like, nobody can argue that. But what we're saying as Stoics is he wasn't born that way. Something happened in society, in his life, in the, he didn't get in his art upcoming. School, bro. He didn't get an art school. He <laughs> fucking snapped, dude. Well, I mean, if, if we want to get into socioeconomics, the, at the core of all of this is the way we manage economics now. If everything is about the bottom line and we don't think about the human condition and the human the asset of the individual, something's going to go to shit. Always. Always. And it has been. It has been until we come up with a better solution. So um, that's another episode, though, right? Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't, can't, are, are you done? I say I want to touch on that. I want to yeah, yeah, stir ahead. the stir the waters up, muddy the waters up. 
What if, Chris, what if, okay, he was a piece of shit, right? What he did. But what if to Hitler, that was his truth and that was okay with him? Because at the end of the day, right, we don't know what's good and what's evil. Right, right, right. Right, that's right. just a construct of what of society of of social norms but that's why i always say as long as you don't hurt yourself or others do whatever the fuck you want worship whatever you want do whatever magical rituals and practices you want to do go ahead anderson i'll argue I'll, I'll counter argue that and i'll say i can think of many scenarios where killing somebody might be a virtuous act can't you yes but so you can't have a rule, right? We're going back to the moral, the study of morality. You can't have a rule book that says never kill because there are circumstances where killing might just be virtuous. We're talking like really extreme cases, but they exist, right? So the rule book cannot be never killed. The rule book has to be, you know, killing's bad, right? Cool. Now go make good decisions. iRobot, you guys remember the iRobot scene when Will Smith's like, no, save the girl, not me. Like, this is what we're talking about, right? It's these kind of morality versus logical decisions, right? Have you guys seen iRobot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where he calculates what the probability of her living versus you, right? This is pretty much triage with what we have now. But, you know, the the whole thing behind that movie is, right, the symbolism that we see that AI is going to fucking kill everybody, right? That's like, that's the whole thing behind that, that this AI machine is... Uh, you know, the Terminator, right? The Terminator, yeah, yeah, same yeah. shit. They just fucking kill everybody. They don't give but a that, shit. But that specific scene, though, was very stoked because I'm with Will Smith. I'm not going to save the adult that has a better chance of survival. As a stoic, I know the look in that adult's eye. That guy wants me to save the girl. Cool, man. I got you. Peace be with you. I got her. So you yeah, see so what you I mean? You can't right have thing. straight up rules. Yeah. See, and, and that's, that's what's so fucked up about living in this world right now where... You know, you have to abide by these codes and these laws of of just society in the world itself. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's you walk a thin line every day. Mm. And what what I was brought up as being good is maybe not what Mark was brought up as being good or Chris. Right. Because we all, all have these interpretations from other stimuli. Right. Religion, family. Uh, you failed to get into art school. Right. All these things that influence us at the end of the day and mold us into what we become later on in life, you know, and, and this is what, I, this is what I love about uh, this topic and, and, and the way it just fascinates me because it makes you really think outside the box. You know what I mean? And, and, and how, you, how Anderson said, people don't talk about this shit. You know, people don't sit there and talk about morality and ethics and all this stuff. No, we're just thrown out into this world and it's like, Hey, what they taught me is what I'm going to teach you. If that ain't right, then fuck it, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And that also goes back to our socioeconomic system, right, Juan? Uh, we come home because we've got to bust our ass to make money to pay for our bills. So what do you do when you come home? You just need to chill the F out. And it's normal, right? Seneca says it. We say this all the time. Our body and mind is like a hammer and an anvil. And you work it all day. Like you got to rest it. Otherwise, it's going to break. So what do we do? We come home and we grab some food and turn on Duck Fucking Dynasty or whatever bullshit we're watching and let our brains melt, right? Instead of, hey, let me pick up fucking Jean-Jacques Rousseau and see what this guy was writing or what, hey, what did Plato say? He wrote 23 treatises. That's, that's a lot. Maybe he was onto something. We don't do this. We watch the goddamn Kardashians. We need better education. That's good. It all starts with education, right? The Kardashian got fat asses though, bro. Like, well, I, well, I well, why do you think that is, though? Do you think they, and let's get into a little bit of conspiracy. Do you think that they 
that they do this on purpose in order to suppress us to not be able to think outside of that box and and not be rational thinkers, right? Because they dumb us down. And and I know Mark just did an episode on the box saga where it's it's it pretty much has to do with that, with the origins of of everything, right? Uh, Mark, the the box saga. I just I just recently came across this. Yeah, it's a, pretty it's much an alternative that, ancient cosmology for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you think this is done on purpose as far as dumbing us down, you know, as a society as a whole to suppress us from what, like overthrowing the the, the powers that be, right? The reptiles? Um, I think it's backwards. I don't think uh, it's done to suppress us. I think the system established itself and then somebody just took advantage of it, right? Because it is a very oppressive system, uh, as is religion, as is capitalism, as is every system we've gone through, you know, everything we've gone through going back to the agricultural revolution, right? Everything has always kind of pacified us in a way. I mean, somebody took advantage of it always because we're taught to be, you know, as soon as you, we, we stopped roaming around and started keeping shit and had building bigger huts to keep shit in those huts, owning became important all of a sudden because it became a status symbol. And then from there, we just kind of kept, kept going and, and kept going. So, Definitely the pattern is there. Definitely we're oppressed. Um, definitely the only way out is bottom up, grassroots education first, or just let people think for themselves. Um, and definitely someone's taken advantage, but I don't think, you know, the box was put in place by the powers that be. Uh, I'm going with Noam Chomsky's like manufacturing consent type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's there. Yes, it's being manufactured. Not because a bunch of people are on the table decided so, but there are people definitely around the table taking advantage of it. Yeah, Noam Chomsky, that's the one that you told me that at the very end of all this shit, yes, there are lizards. There are fucking <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> they're, they're taking advantage of the whole system. No, uh, he did not say that in his book. No, he confirms, there's no, he confirms there's no cabal. But m- much like I'm explaining here, he, he does show the pattern is there and that someone's taking advantage. It's just not a top-down thing. And look, I'm in management, doc. I don't know if any of you is management, but or trying to organize people is impossible. Trying to keep a secret for like a birthday, but it's impossible. Like, it's just I don't know. It seems pretty difficult to me. Have you read The Crowd by Gustav Lebon? No, I haven't. Should I add it to my list? Yes, add it to your list. The Crowd by Gustav Lebon, and it is about the psychological aspect of a crowd as a whole, right? The, the, it becomes its own living entity. Right. And I was talking to me and my dad got into it yesterday about, you know, the vaccine and all this shit. And I go, listen, bro, you know, we have at this point in time, right now, as we, as we all sit here at this point in time, right now, we have more information than we've ever had since the beginning of time. Yet we're stupider than we were. Because, again, what Anderson was saying, people don't give a shit to look this stuff up. right? My wife doesn't give a shit about ancient history, about ancient civilizations. right? And there's a lot of people like her who don't care about it to look into it. So I always kid around, you know, hashtag know your history. But seriously, know your fucking history. Me being a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist, I think outside the box a little bit more when it comes to these sort of things. So when, when I bring that up, I bring it up under the fact that like I said, the lizards are running this, and I, I, I do believe that there is a group of people who are orchestrating everything uh, for for their own benefit, right? We have these ancient families. We can't deny that there's people put in power. Now, I, there's another side of me who also thinks, is this a projection of our psyche, right? Are we thinking this shit up? 
You know what I mean? Are, are we just making this up just to have some other narrative fallacy, if you will, right? Another confirmation bias, right? And that's why I'm a skeptic, right? When I talk about these conspiracies, I'm, a, I'm on both sides. I look at it from both sides. But I think the reptilian overlord just sounds fucking cooler. And I, and I, and I, you know, I'll stand behind that, that, uh, that there is, I a hundred percent believe that there's some power, whether it's metaphysical or not, that is behind just everything. And that they just fucking sit there and laugh at us. This is, this is what these ancient scriptures were about, bro. They fuck. And I know you don't like ancient scriptures. You told me religion is the biggest conspiracy that there is, but they all say the same shit. You know what I mean? That that we are some failed experiment pretty much. And the gods are having fun with us. Wait, I said religion is the biggest conspiracy. You told me one time you were like, I think it was on DM. You were like, you said prove to me. And I was like, well, ancient scripture. You're like, that's the biggest conspiracy there is. And I'm like, mm. touche. I'm studying ancient scripture. So yeah, <laughs> maybe it was somebody no, no, but else. I'm talking about like the crazy stories, right? Like the Bible and, and Noah's Ark and all, you know, the, the fish that fucking ate Jonah and all this shit, right? right, right, right. All this Sim- crazy symbolism. Yeah. Symbolism. This is, this is why I love talking about this stuff. Cause I, I, I do believe all these stories and then there's some truth behind it. How much truth? I don't know. Nobody knows, but it's fun to talk about how much truth can there be. Uh, when it comes down to it, though, to my day to day, none of it matters because I'm I'm working at a much higher conspiracy level. My conspiracy doubts are at the cosmic level. Like, I'm you know, I'm a this is a simulation to me as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty clear. Um, I, I can't even believe the reality I live in. Like, I question, forget the world and the way the world works. I'm questioning everything. Right? Uh, like we're talking about uh, we're doing the Brenda Descartes episode a few weeks ago. So my, my conspiracy theory is way higher level than uh, anything temporal. I got one thing for you that, that I know 100% proves that we're in a simulation. The Biden administration wanted to give out crack pipes and syringes for people on the streets so that they could practice. Have like father, practicing. like son, they how the say. Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but how, do, how does that... How does that make sense, bro? This is why I think that some people are put on this realm as NPCs. This cancel culture, is it an algorithm like QAnon? Is it something that just sits there? Because where do you meet these people? Where are these people? that Do they gather up somewhere that they... Come on, bro. Like They're if you read some of these, bots, dog. come on. You know what I mean? It it, it makes no fucking sense to well, me, bro. The, you, you gotta. Wrong. I think you know. You gotta take the grain of truth in every conspiracy. And one of the biggest conspiracy theories that the mainstream media gave us in the past five years was that there was this Russian collusion to elect Donald Trump. And what did they talk about? They talked about bots, right? I don't think that anybody. Anybody who's used the internet has uh, had an experience where they've avoided a troll of any kind. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are assholes out there, but how many assholes really are there out there? You know, I think there's definitely a contingency of bots who have this like, you know, very small on the scale. If we were going to put AI on an intellectual scale, it's a very small level of intelligence, but it's able to like mirror and talk shit, right? We understand. Oh, we talked about this. Remember, we talked about the dead and internet. I think theory. the bots are 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 rife on the internet. So yeah, I don't, maybe I'm just jumping in with a random point here. That no, it's the dead internet. You're absolutely right. It's the dead internet theory. Look it up. It's that the internet is really just made up of ninety eight percent 
just bots and fake shit. If you Google certain Google, right, right now I Googled Socrates, right? And I wanted to pull up the, the one thing only I know. And that is that I know nothing. That was Socrates, right? Yeah. He, he said that. And he also said, know thyself, right? Um, so if you look up, it'll tell you there's, you know, 3 billion search results. But when you go through all the pages, there's only really like 300. So like fluffing this, the whole internet up. And it's, it's called the dead internet, right? Because you have all these dead hyperlinks and all this shit. And it's just, it's again, it's just, it's, it's a, it's like, uh, it reminds me of Tartaria, right? Where, where these cities are built on top of other cities and it's like the dead infrastructure underneath it. And that's the only thing fucking holding the system up. And that's how I see everything, bro. There's, you know, we had this strong foundation is slowly crumbling under our feet because we haven't followed you know, we should have kept building on top of those buildings and, and, and expanding that. But yet they just shit all over and they just started building on top and on top. And you can only build so much. Right. This is why you see the pyramids of Giza. There's nothing around them because there's catacombs around the entire pyramid complex. And they, if they were to build anything, they would fucking crumble into the ground. There's miles and miles of catacombs uh, uh, underneath the pyramids of Giza. You guys know that? Interesting. Yeah, bro. There's a catacombs underneath the pyramid of the, the plateau. The reason that you only see pictures and you see just the, the pyramids by themselves and there's nothing around it is because they can't. If they were to build something on top of it, it would, it would go into the ground from all the tunnels and shit. That's why they, there's a conspiracy saying that the entrance to hollow earth is uh, one of the entrances is in, in Egypt where the pyramids are at. Whoa. So. That's a Gartha, right? That's that whole Nazi. Those Nazis go to Nepal and they go try to. Yeah. Again, that's Helena Blavatsky too, right? She went to Shambhala or some shit like that. Yeah. She talked about the ascended masters and stuff. Yeah. Is it what, how trippy does the, um, Stoics get any of these guys? I mean, are these guys like dropping fucking acid? Is this part of the deal or is there any sort of regiment that I got to know about to be a Stoic? Like only eat oats and honey or like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, simple rule. Just be simple. Do you? That's Do it. You. That's that's the, it, Chris. That's the craziest part to me too. Because when I when I had when I first had him on, I asked him all the same questions. So what is it? What's the who's their god? Who? Who, who do they worship? Who, what's their Bible? He's like, nah, bro, you just, you just do it. Well, a simple, one of the simple exercises that helped me and I don't follow it a hundred percent that I got from listening to Anderson's podcast was when you're eating, don't touch your fucking phone. Swag. I like that. That's just good. eat, just be in the moment, right? Like converse yep. converse like with your family, you know, pay attention to your fucking kids, you know, and just be and just Live and don't touch your fucking phone. Because again, we're indoctrinated to just always, what do we do? Grab our phone, check our social media while you're fucking eating. No, just put it down. Enjoy the moment. And that, that that's one of the things that blew my mind that it's so simple that we could all do it, but yet we don't. I ate a meal right here on this podcast tonight when my camera was off. I just didn't want to make you guys hungry. What does that say I about me? I saw you chewing after you turned the camera on. I knew. It was a sandwich, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> Mushrooms, DMT, what are we dealing with? What are these? What? Well, I know Pythagoras so, was a, a mystic, right? Pythagoras. Oh, I mean, these guys were Pythagoras, getting... Yeah. Here's the thing, Chris. I don't mean to... Sorry, Anderson. I, I don't mean to, to take your opportunity to answer this question, but I do remember hearing recently that you know, drugs were so commonplace in a lot of cultures yeah. 
that yeah. they didn't really even give a good record of this stuff because it was kind of considered on the level of food. Like it was just a part of your day. So I wouldn't be surprised if all of these guys were drinking infused wines and that's what they right. meant when they mentioned wines. It was infused with all kinds of potions and herbs. But that's just my assumption. Maybe, Anderson, you can back that up. So don't forget, our older cousins are the the cynics that absolutely rejected all of this. Uh, so no, a Stoic tried to live a simple life. Um, we speak, or our, our ancients speak a lot against uh, against uh, banquets. Like, why do you have to shove yourself full of food? It's just rotting in your belly. You're not actually eating. Uh, why do you have to get so wasted? Drink wine. Cool, man. Get a buzz on. Laugh. But that's enough. Go to bed because you got work to do tomorrow. You got to make the world a better place. So it's always in the middle, right? Just when we're talking about ethics and morality too, stoicism is never on one side or the other. It's always, guy, you know what the right thing to do is. And you know, both could be right in any given circumstance. So don't pick a side and try and defend it. Just do the right thing. Okay. So no, 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 no. Look, I don't even drink tea because of the caffeine in it. Not because I'm like, all stimulants are bad, but much like the pillow, there was a logical, rational reason why I eliminated, you know, it started with the usual cigarettes, alcohol, and then it went into the kitchen, you know, sugar, salt, whatever, the usual. Now I'm a vegan too, but it all has, not because I'm like, ah, you know, meat is murder or whatever it is, but no, the industrial complex is the second most polluting thing in the world. And by 2050, it will pollute more than fucking oil companies I cannot in good conscience support this. So I don't buy meat or dairy. My friends who hunt, they'll throw me some meat here and there. Cool. And, you know, we're going to buy a hobby farm on the side and have our own chickens and whatever one day. But there's no way I'm buying anything from a grocery store. I know a farm down the road. I'll go buy eggs from them when I'm craving a fried egg sandwich because eggs is delicious. Uh, And that's about it. So, no, very in the middle. We weren't really into anything crazy. Um, we're, we're very boring people. <laughs> we're just trying to live a good life. But to be yeah, fair, Chris, to be fair, that's you. And that's not the stoic view. Can I? That's you. Right? Well, well, me, a lot of this comes from the stoic teaching. So uh, someone like a Marcus Aurelius would have said zero tolerance to wine. Zero. Right. Um, someone like an epic or Epictetus would have been zero tolerance. Marcus Aurelius, he would have toasted during banquets or whatever. Seneca was the guy that was YOLO, bro. Go half fun rest yourself too. just pick your entertainment wisely so each one gives you different advice at different times even when you read marcus Aurelius's book his his uh tone changes over the years as he starts dying he starts telling himself stop reading books you idiot you're running out of time you read his earlier stuff and he's like start reading books you idiot you need to learn you know so it really depends on the time and the context that's wonky advice, buddy. That's all I just, over the place. I just want to state for the record that I think I have been living a stoic life. And, <laughs> hey, I know this is the cliche statement that you said that you hear every time, Anderson, but I like the cut of your jib, and I just want to say that if we're going to stick true to the name of this show, I don't think stoics are Illuminati confirmed. I think Illuminati confirmed they're they're not stoic at all. If anything, they're the opposite of stoics. They're hedonistic. They're taking every grab for power. They're cutting the throats of their own family members. I mean, that is not what stoics are up to from what Anderson has shared with us today. Yeah, quite the opposite. We take a stance against that, right? So the reason why we're not cynics, the reason why we choose to be Stoics is because we cannot sit on the outside and watch this happen. We literally take a stance. 
work the system from the inside. And I'll give an example. When I went through my transformation, one of the reasons I chose not to give up my job and take a simpler job is because I said, no, look, I'm on the inside. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high level uh, manager here too. I can keep doing this job, but I can do it better in a better, more moral, ethical way. And I can lead by example. And that's what I've been doing. So my career has actually gotten better as a result of it, believe it or not, instead of chasing the promotion and money, right? I've built better relationships. But my decisions always come back down in the moment. Do I need to give shit up to be more virtuous? No, I'm not going to give it up. Do I need to punish myself to be more virtuous? No, I'm not going to punish myself. But is this little uh, bit of discomfort going to allow me to be a better person tomorrow? Fuck yeah, get rid of that pillow, man. I'm going to get a good night's sleep and I'll be the best me that I can be tomorrow. Were you going to say, Mark, you're going to say something? No, I'm glad that you said that because you kind of answered my question ahead of time. I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I thought when I was a young, naive man was like, I'll just join the CIA and take them down from the inside. And somebody who who uh, was a little a lot wiser than me and a little older than me was like, no, they'll just change you. The system is too powerful, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I know you're not working in that system, Anderson, but uh, but yeah, there is that potential that the system can change a person. I wonder if uh, you know there are any Stoics who maybe give stoicism a bad name in your opinion is there anyone that maybe like people look to as uh, a stoic that we can maybe consider illuminati confirmed um if you're gonna find some dirt i'm gonna bet my buck on marcus aurelius because as much as he tried to and we got to put it into context okay he had revolutionary changes to slavery and women's rights like it was scandalous how liberal these changes were right but the dude still had slaves and the women still couldn't vote and had no rights and you know it was still a time where things were still very oppressive and he was the emperor now can you imagine being an emperor of the largest empire in the western world the greatest military force mm-hmm. and you're in war for pretty much the whole time you're in power can you imagine being so altruistic and benevolent during your reign i can't well uh, i think chris just disconnected <laughs> there you go confirm <laughs> chris is like no nope, that's all i needed to hear <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> so you see, it was Marcus. <laughs> oh, man. I, I understand that. Yeah, I definitely, um, I can definitely see that. And then Aristotle, I don't know if he's considered a Stoic, but I've heard some really un, uh, unsavory things about him as well. No, 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 not a fan of Aristotle at all. Not a fan of, actually, to be fair, not a fan of Plato, the individual either. Great mind, but not a fan of the individual. Aristotle, everything he wrote was wrong everything so i don't even want to talk about that guy (laughs) awesome put a pin in that love it (laughs) so i think uh what do you guys think you got any more questions for mr i love it i think i think like i said before we've kind of seen our way through stoicism i don't want to write it off uh as completely uh um oh you know, clean and, and not Illuminati confirmed, but I think stoicism is a okay in that sense. And I think it's a great, you know, philosophy for somebody who is interested in this conspiracy stuff, because (laughs) you need to 
have reason and uh and yeah so i don't know i said that all before though <laughs> yeah no no but but it's important right that's this is why i, yeah. I wanted to have him on and and talk about this agreed because hey, mark unfortunately not everything is illuminati confirmed <laughs> i know <laughs> i know but people sign up for this show because of the title i think yeah and because of your smiling face and Chris's smiling face and our lovely guest here. So yeah, I'm just trying to give him a taste of of the name. I don't know. Uh, if you guys want some juicy man, the Epicureans were kind of I don't know clandestine, but very esoteric. They kept it themselves. So Epicurus and the Stoics have a bit of an overlap as well. There were the two leading philosophies at the time. Stoicism came out ahead a little bit, but Epicurus he was like. Um, uh, Charlie Manson, not in the Killy, t- Killy kind, but like a community com- combine. Let's all live in this place together and not let outsiders in in way. Mm. So th- there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there. If there was Illuminati in ancient Greece, that's where my money is. Yeah, okay. it says Epicureanism is a, a system of philosophy found around 307 BC based upon the teachings of the Greek philosopher Epicurus. Epicureanism was originally a challenge to Platonism with Plato. Later, its main opponent became Stoicism. Well, that's fucking interesting. Right? You and always just, see these opposing sides. Every always yeah. come up and try to fucking fight the truth. <laughs> yeah, but the difference uh, we agreed with the Epicureans on almost everything. Where we disagree at the end is they're like, "Fuck society, fuck this world. Like, let's just go live in this commune, t- commune together, and have as much fun as we can." Hippies. Eat. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Whereas the Stoics say, I can, I need to do something. I cannot sit idly by. I need to try and do something, but not by, you know, we're not Che Guevara, grab a gun and go, you know, uh, cause revolution. We're not, uh, we're, we're like, um, what's it called? Like Gandhi, like the passive, anarcho-pacifists make change, but through um, like be an agent for positive change, lead by example. And, and that's what I try to embody today. Yeah, the Epicureans were having Burning Man. They were yeah, fucking exactly. 100% doing that shit. And they were all just fucking each other. So, You guys remind me of Buddhists without robes. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, there you go. A lot of overlap with Buddhists. Yeah, it's cool. But see, uh, Buddhists with emotions, for them, emotion is like water off a duck's back. It doesn't even matter. It, yeah. It'll just pass. Whereas with Stoics, we embrace it. So I'm a very emotional person, and I'm a very angry person. Uh, the the before times me would would have qualified as anger management issues, right? So the way I control that is that you guys remember that iconic scene from the Avengers when when Doctor Bruce whatever says, you know, how, "How is the Hulk always uh, not mad? How do you control your anger?" He says, "Simple, I'm always angry," and that's what stoicism does. You look at your emotions in the eye. You don't ignore them because the duality within, right? We recognize that roommate, and we look at him dead in the eye and say, "I see you. I hear you." but I know you have no good advice. There's nothing you say that's going to make my decision any better. So thanks, but no thanks. Go sit in the corner and have some Cheetos. I got business to do. Mm, Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, Cheetos sounds good right about um, now. <laughs> I had a drink. I had my last nightmare. It was probably like nine, ten months ago or maybe even longer. I just, something was chasing me and I turned around and ran at it. And I have not had a fucking... It like poof gone and haven't had one since. That seems like the kind of same thing. It's like fucking stare that shit in the fucking eyeball sometimes, and it's a different. It probably it probably is a lot less than you might probably imagining it to be, whatever it may be. So it's really pretty cool. 
It's a good point. You know, bravery is not the lack of fear, but it is the capacity to do what is right in the face of fear. Sure. So Fuck. that's deep shit. Well, fucking gang. Anderson Silver, you a gangster motherfucker. Well, Anderson, what? Can, can you let people know where they can find your books, your social media? And your podcast, podcast which we got to get you a part of Alt Media United, the podcast cooperative. <laughs> so you can find all my stuff at stoicismforabetterlife.com. I have three books. Don't buy them. There might or might not be free PDF copies out there. Just fucking read them. Um, you know, if you're interested, you can grab a copy. It's nice artwork. The everything else is free. Everything on the on the the podcast is free. The articles are free. There's no commercials. There's no nothing. YouTube channel, no advertisement. If the stuff interests you, if what I'm saying is interesting, look up stoicism. Just might help save your life. Saved mine twice. Well, I think that I think Love that it. was a a great first guest, Anderson. Thank you so much for coming on. I really do always enjoy our conversations because it makes me reflect within and looked within. Uh, you know, to, to better myself. And I think that everyone can benefit from these sorts of conversations because, again, we don't talk about it a lot. So, yeah, thank you for coming on again, Anderson. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, here, Juan, Chris, Anderson. This is a blast. And Anderson, I'd love to uh, have you on my podcast as well for uh, maybe a more in-depth conversation on your books. That'd be cool. I'd love to. Thanks, Mark. No problem. Thank you, brother. That was amazing. That was fun, man. I hope we get the chat sometime again, too. And then next time, Nicolas Cage, maybe? Maybe? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> He's definitely Illuminati confirmed. He's not. I don't know how stoic he is. Illuminati confirmed. Hail Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Have you seen him in his pink denim overalls with the big American flag on the back and the angel, angel wings? Come on, dude. What? Let's get yeah, into it. Denim suit. Like, what? yeah, the top and, and jeans. Yeah, with the angel wings in the back and American. Awesome. This guy's a legend. Come on. Yes, dude. What do you think? Do you think he was born like when the planets aligned and like it was like like a sacrifice was made and like. <laughs> you know, it's much simpler than that. Two things. One, he's like the Wahlbergs. He'll say yes to anything. Two. Uh-huh. He's talented, man. He can tap into... Okay, he's not a great actor that has a wide, wide, wide range, but no. he can do a few things, and he does the crap out of those few things. I appreciate that. <laughs> Did he... I saw this interview where he talks about that movie Vampire Kiss and how he was taking his inspiration from, like, Nosferatu and these old... And if you watch Vampire Kiss, he does these super, like, exaggerated, like, moves, like a vampire, like, like he's doing the fucking monster mash. And it's because he's taking inspiration from, literally, from um, silent movies where they had to, like, over-exaggerate things. It's fucking sick, dude. He's the best, bro. But I like him, though. Plato, Plato said it, art is necessary because it shows what life could be like, right? And Nick Cage shows what it could be like. It's supposed to be different. That's why I love him. Yeah, Plato's aesthetics, bro. The, the beauty and everything, right? The beauty. Yeah. Uh, the, what do they say? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Well, dude, unless you're Nicolas Cage's son, dude, then you're just beautiful, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're <just> beautiful, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think you mean, yeah, if you're Nicolas Cage's son, Weston. Shout out to you, Weston. We will be having you on the show very soon. 
Uh, everybody be sure to reach out to Weston on Instagram at Weston Cage Coppola and let them know that we want to have mm-hmm. him on the show because Anderson Silva really warmed us up. And I think, uh, I think Weston is probably a little stoic himself based on some of those pictures he's posted. Oh God, I'm gonna cut this shit out. You guys are talking about some, you guys are telling people to go harass a fucking Oh, don't harass them. Just like, follow, like, subscribe, Weston Cage Coppola if you like this show. That's all. I mean, this show is dedicated to Weston Cage Coppola, so Tell him what's Kale, up. You know what I mean? Tell daddy I said what's up. <laughs> Specifically like the picture of his left shoulder. I think that's the best picture. Yo, Mark was stalking his fucking Instagram, bro. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Anderson, if when you start uh Facebook stalking this guy later, you're gonna be absolutely oh, Instagram. Instagram song. He has yeah, beautiful man eyes. He's like a, he's like a Nordic god. He's just like <laughs> a, just a beautiful human being, and it's sort of my, it's it, it's gonna leave a spell. It's gonna leave a spell on you, dude. You're gonna be. I'm caged. looking forward to it. You're gonna be caged up, bro. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was great, and I'll we'll you. see you on the next Illuminati confirmed. Later. All right. Good job, guys. Thanks, guys.